Welcome back to Flower Film Country. I'm Isaac Sims, and joined with me today is Olivia Clement. How are you doing, Olivia? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm ready to discuss Eternals with you. Interesting movie that I think we actually feel we have very similar feelings about. So I, I accidentally saw your letterbox review. Oh, you did? So, okay. Yeah. So yeah. so you do have I, I looked to see your I saw Jess's. Oh, and yeah. I didn't see you hadn't logged it yet, had you? I think I logged it like at midnight last night okay. or something. Okay. So yeah, so you logged it before I or after I did. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was like, okay, I can't look to see what Isaac did. And then uh, I saw Jess's. So I was like, I wonder. But you guys sometimes have very different opinions on stuff. Yep. yep. So. Um, we will get into kind of like what we what we think about Eternals, a sprawling Chloe Zhao epic, Marvel epic. Um, the third Marvel movie to release this year. Um, the third one. Yeah. We'll get into it in just a little bit. But first, we want to let you know that this is Flyover Film Country, a podcast about movies and places oft forgotten by Hollywood. And today we're covering Marvel's 26 film Eternals. Um, before we get started, a couple things. Um, we Two announcements. November 24th, we will be covering the first two episode, episodes of Hawkeye series. I can't talk today. I've probably had too much coffee. <laughs> um, one, a Disney Plus series that I think both of us are really excited for. Probably I mean, yeah. like, very surprised that we're so excited for it. I yeah it's one of those things I was like why are they giving Hawkeye his own show but again as as we've covered in other episodes before we both love Haley Seinfeld so yep. we're excited about that um also just in general I was not excited for really any of the the Disney plus Marvel shows but I have been pleasantly surprised by how much I've enjoyed them so yep they've been good they have they have you know demonstrated a degree of of high production value um even even the ones that haven't worked as well for me like Mm -hmm. falcon and the winter soldier there you can tell that they put a lot into it um so yeah we're excited for that also wanted to mention to you because we were talking about this the other day this hawkeye series is based on a run by matt fraction and another team of um of writers and artists Mm -hmm. and i'm halfway through that collection um because oh, okay. it came it cool. came in the mail yesterday i read it for probably two hours last night and it is fabulous it's probably my favorite like comic that i've read and i'm not a big comic reader i just i heard really good things about it on different mm-hmm. podcasts that i was listening to so wanted to give a shout out to that series it's um yeah it's by it's called the the saga of barton and bishop by matt fraction and i think david aja um, I should have that pulled up in front of me, but I don't. Um, but I'm sending it to you, Olivia, so that you can uh, read through it before we cover it. And so just wanted to kind of like tee that up because it's a mm-hmm. great, it's great source material. Like there's some runs, like there's one section of the comic where he set, uh, he allows his neighbor and her son to watch this really goofy TV special called Winter Friends, which looks like mm-hmm. a cross between Calvin and Hobbes and Peanuts. And oh, yeah. the whole, like that whole um, comic, like, because it's kind of broken into chapters, that whole chapter is just the comic series. And it's hilarious. Like, it's <laughs> great. It, it sounds really silly, but it's really good and kind of gives Hawkeye this humanity that we haven't seen 
before. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about it because I think we're going to see way more about Hawkeye because he, he like Black Widow, were just kind of these side characters that never were given the room or the chance to fully develop as, as characters. So, yep. so yeah. I'm very excited for this show. It'll be fun. And then December 18th, we will be covering Spider-Man No Way Home, probably the most anticipated movie in the would you say it's the most anticipated movie of the year i Fo- following I, like the the rumored casting of toby mcguire and andrew garfield yeah i think honestly i think it's probably going to be the biggest marvel movie after Endgame and infinity war like truthfully yep. i think that it's probably the most anticipated marvel movie for sure yep. uh i i think that this is gonna be i, I think people who maybe don't even that care that much about the mcu but at one point or another we're really into toby mcguire spider-man or andrew garfield spider-man are just super excited about even the idea that they might like the, even the possibility that they might be showing mm-hmm. up even if because, it's just for five or ten minutes yeah, yeah i mean i got really excited seeing alfred molina showing up as doc ock so i i I can only imagine how excited I'm going to be if if Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield really show up. So, so yeah, I'd say this is one of, if not the most anticipated movie of the year. Yeah. For for superhero fans, I, I think that some people who are over superhero movies are like, screw this movie. But oh well. I think the movie also has the potential to be the highest grossing COVID movie. Um, if I if I remember correctly, I think Tenet grossed 357 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. I think that's worldwide and domestic. Um, you can fact check me on that, but I for some reason that number sticks in my mind, and I feel like Spider Man could could break that uh, record. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I think I think I would be shocked if it didn't. Yep. So. Um. Shall yeah, we so get into Eternals? Let's, let's get into Eternals. All right. All right. Okay. So we where do we start with this this movie? We start with kind of like a Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, a I, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but I, I appreciated that they did that because I even after watching the, the trailers for this movie, I had no idea what any any of the like Eternals were or deviants uh I, I saw where some people tried to explain it and came up short but yeah it felt very star wars-esque and very like sci-fi because of that i mean this movie is sort of sci-fi-esque but mm-hmm. um yeah so i wasn't expecting that were you i was not uh i kind of liked it kind of drew you in and then mm-hmm. it's i forget i forget what it says like the celestial the Celestials created the Eternals to fight deviants mm-hmm. um, as they kind of like as to, to protect civilizations as they developed across the universe. Right. I think that's what it was. So then it cuts to the, I, f- I forget the name of their ship, the big triangle kind of like the, yeah, the flying do- Domo, triangle. the Domo, Some, something like that. Let me look, let me just keep talking. I'll glue it. And then we, we get a look at the, I think the orb, 
descending from the statue of Arishim, the the huge celestial who made these Eternals, yes. into Ajak, who's played by Sama Hayek. Um, and she, you you get the sense that she's the one who has the connection with Arishim that the other Eternals do not. So she'll kind of right. enter into visions where she can commune with him. Um, and then they come up to Earth and they say, hey, or, or they don't say, like, Cersei and Icarus, played by Gemma Chan and Richard Madden, meet for the first time and they kind of get that like oh you're you're pretty cute like sort of like it's beautiful isn't it it's the earth and then they go and you get the first fight scene where they protect a bunch of people from the deviants Mm -hmm. and then you get the eternals um title and then we kind of go from there the plot of this movie is insane it is it's like it's the plot's crazy and the sequencing is crazy because it moves mm-hmm. back and forth in time. And let's kind of start there. What did you think about? Because we don't get very many non-linear mm-hmm. Marvel movies. I think Captain Marvel and maybe Infinity War is the are the only other movies that aren't linear. Um, and that's not including just like flashbacks here and there. Um, yeah, I don't know. What What do you think? What do you think about? the way this this movie was set up because for me it was pretty confusing at times it was kind of jarring uh and it, you would lose momentum i feel like in one timeline mm-hmm. by switching to oh well we have to we have to go back to you know we have to explain this thing yeah babylon in like 580 or whatever i i didn't find it as jarring um i think i don't know i i i don't know if i don't do or do not like this i haven't determined that yet but most of the time whenever there's like a flashback scene or they cut between you know different times there's typically a a change in in like the color of whatever scenes they're in does that make sense yeah yeah yeah, for sure uh like there's a different filter that was the word i was looking for Mm -hmm. and also i couldn't help but hear like eric and walter's voice voices in my head of like how it's just so like it just it it didn't look as good as i was expecting well there were several moments where i was like this looks pretty good like the when they go to find druig in the amazon and the it's like that kind of 6 a.m Mm pre-dawn light i was like this scene actually looks pretty good Um, yeah the the deviants never look good but that's a that's a matter of cgi um right the the lighting was hit or miss and Mm -hmm. i kind of attribute it to the cinematographer who's ben davis who Mm -hmm. did guardians of the galaxy and if you compare guardians of the galaxy one and two two and you and i've talked about this before Mm -hmm. two looks like what we think space would look like when we're kids yeah and one looks like concrete <laughs> and right. i kind of i kind of blame this cinematographer for for that yeah and and also like i wonder how much it, like studio interference there was yep because i was thinking about nomadland isn't necessarily bright sure which nomadland is 
uh, a movie that Chloe Zhao, who directed Eternals, directed as well. And she won her an Oscar. She won an Oscar. She became the second woman to win an Oscar for Best Director and the first um, Asia, of Asian descent, right? Yep, that's correct. And so that movie isn't necessarily bright or super colorful, but the lighting is, I think, really great. I don't know. What do you have? Sure. No, you're, you're totally right. The only thing I would add to that is like, it's just, it feels natural. Like, yeah. kind of like this is a natural, you, you wake up camping and the world looks just really beautiful and kind of natural. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that Chloe Zhao really wanted to strive for that and i think that's one of the reasons why she was like hey kevin feige i i want to film like on location and not just like on a green screen yep. and he was like this is the most incredible thing i don't know yep. if that's actually what happened but i know that's what a lot of like movie people were saying was like he was blown away by that yep um but anyway like but then it's strange how much of the movie looks like it was filmed on a green screen CGI. <laughs> yeah yeah and I think that there were certain moments where I was like, oh, that looked that looked like it was filmed on location. And then in the same scene, it would look like that was not. And so that that was something I was thinking about as I was watching the movie. Yep. But anyway. Yep. So we've kind of we've kind of hinted at some of the story beats and uh, the fact that this is a nonlinear timeline. Uh, yeah. The story, how it progresses. Um, we mentioned some of the characters here are some of the other characters that we'll just mention off the bat because there's, this is a huge cast. Um, we've mentioned Gemma Chan and Richard Madden. We have a uh, Kumal Nanjiani as Kingo and he can manipulate energy and he's doing little finger guns all throughout the movie. The whole it's so time it's just silly. like little, and it's like to the side too. It's like, yep. it's like what like little kids think gangsters do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but it, you know, and I, I said, it's silly, but it's, you know, he's a silly character too. He's kind of like the comedic heart of this movie. We have Leah McHugh as Sprite and she can project illusions kind of like Loki. And she's a 12, she, I think in the movie has the appearance of a 12 year old, even though mm-hmm. she's 7,000 years old. Brian Tyree Henry is fastos. He can invent weapons and technology. And he's the first gay superhero depicted in this cinematic mm-hmm. universe. Mm-hmm. Lauren Ridloff, who I'll just say up front, she was my favorite. In this movie, oh, yeah. I absolutely loved her. She plays a character named Makari, and she has super speed, and she is also the first deaf superhero depicted in this cinematic universe. Um, uh, we'll we'll kind of talk about favorite scenes and all that in a little bit, but I absolutely loved her and her performance. Mm-hmm. Um, also loved Barry Keegan. He plays Druig, who I expected to be the villain of this movie, and Ooh. he was not. Plot twist. Yeah. Um, and he can manipulate minds. Don Lee plays Gilgamesh, and he's the strongest of the Eternals. Kit Harrington plays Dane Whitman, who is the future Black Knight. In a post-credit scene, we'll talk about that was very cool. Um, Sama Hayek is Ajax. She's the leader of the Eternals. She can heal, and she's the um, she was a male in the comics, and they gender swapped her. I think to pretty good effect. Angelina Jolie. But, I don't think I knew that Ajax was. I, it makes sense that that character yeah, was just, originally a male, but I didn't know that until just now, actually. So yeah. I guess I didn't read this as thoroughly as I thought I did. No, it's I, I read too much. I think that's why <laughs> I knew it. 
Um, Angelina Jolie is Thena. Uh, she can. She's like the best warrior out of all of them, and she can create webs, weapons out of uh, cosmic energy. And we'll have to talk about her. I have some thoughts um, on her character later. Uh, Harish Patel is Karun, Kingo's manager, who was also absolutely hilarious. Um, and he was so I, sweet. He was sweet. I can't imagine the movie without him. No. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. We'll, we'll talk about some of those scenes. Um, okay. So before we keep moving, who... So you, it sounds like you loved Makari as well. Who would, mm-hmm. if you had to pick three Eternals to be on your team, who would you pick? Three Eternals to be on my team. Yep. Ooh. I would pick Makari for sure. Oh, man, this is so hard because I actually really liked a lot of them. Yep. And I'm trying to pick just the character and not necessarily the actor. Uh, Athena would be my second pick and then or not necessarily a second pick just like another person i'd pick and then i think i'd, I'd take druig that is exactly who Shut like up. my roster yeah nah. no i'm not kidding i'm not kidding <laughs> i think that there's something there's something about um and and this kind of leads into another kind of area of the movie that surprised me because i I walked into this movie with pretty low expectations. Yeah, I had, I had I'd been doing research yesterday while I was at work doing some kind of number crutching that was really monotonous, and I was doing able to, work, doing work. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was able to listen to some podcasts and kind of take some notes. And and you know, I'm I'm pretty good about filtering. Like, okay, like I know what people are saying because we do this pod, so we do research, and mm-hmm. I'm able to put other people's expectations aside unless um unless what they're saying is like dead on um i'm able to come away with like what i think about the movie and something i really loved about this movie is like there's just this barry keegan um and he doesn't get enough credit for it because he doesn't get quite enough screen time but i feel like him and Gemma chan are kind of the ones who have the opposing perspectives of humanity because he yeah. he wants to interfere and she in in bring peace to these people because right. he could he could have created a society of peace through through control in specific situations but i also feel you also get the sense that he allows them to do what they're supposed to do Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he becomes like kind of an unexpected um, foil for Ajax, who tells them not to interfere when they're all killing each other, and right. you you learn why. Um, but that, I just really loved his performance in this movie. I did too. I feel like I feel like people have been focusing on so many other character or actors, but I think that he, he like he gave a really good performance. I'm I'm excited about this character. Mm-hmm. Um. And I mean, this is just such an interesting power to have. It, and I, I wonder if you. One of the reasons why you thought he was going to be the villain was because it's it's not that different from um, Kilgrave's powers. Sure. You know, like he, Kilgrave, and is the villain in the first season of Jessica Jones, and he just tells people what to do and they'll do it. Doesn't matter what it is, yep. even if he's being sarcastic. Uh so druid can control minds and 
he could make them do like like he has the ability to control every single person mm-hmm. at one time, which is crazy. So yep. like if if he wanted to, he could he could destroy all of humanity. Yep. And but you also get the sense after a while that like so him he and Fastos are the ones who uh Druid Druig in uh Tenochtitlan like in the Amazon mm-hmm. is the first one who's like I'm not doing this anymore like yes this is not right I I will leave and I will do what I think is best for these people and he's the first to leave and then after that. Fastos is the one who realizes we, we're just breeding them for war and there's mm-hmm. something else going on. And, and then he ends up not trusting Ajax either. Right. Um, I have to ask, and this is, uh, I guess we should have, um, we're not into major spoiler territory yet. And I marked a, a place in our dossier to, discri- uh, to, to let everyone know that we're getting into spoilers and we are getting into spoiler territory now. So if you have not seen Eternals, please stop listening if you don't want to have it spoiled. But there is a scene that heavily implicates that Fastos helps create the atomic bomb. Mm -hmm. I found this really insensitive (laughs) and problematic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about that a little bit. I, I don't know what this means about me that this was the first thought I had. And I, I saw that that I, I knew that that was coming because yep. I saw it on Twitter. And the first thought I had was was that bit in one of John Mulaney's standups where he's talking about uh, Back to the Future. And, uh, you know, he's like Marty McFly show plays um, Johnny be good. Johnny be good. So we're going to take that away from him. And implying that a white guy, you know, wrote Johnny Be Good. Yep. And that's, it feels kind of like that. Like, so we're going to take away the cool things that, that you guys have done. And we're going to implicate you guys for being the creators of, of the worst weapon ever. Yep. That yep. just destroyed and is still impacting people, you know, yep. 70 years later. No, I didn't like it. It made me feel real, real gross inside. Yeah, I, I no. it just did did not feel right. I'm fine. I'm fine. Kind of setting Captain America in the midst of a fictional faction of Nazi Germany and a lot of just as soon as you start and and even like a, like a scene that the scene that's in superhero movies that might be most comparable to the Hiroshima um, scene in this movie is you know in X Men Two when they have the Magneto flashback in the concentration camp because it's very specific to him demonstrating his power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you, if you know that scene off the top of your head, but yes, um, I do. It was yeah. a crazy it's, scene. It's a, it's a great scene. Um, but it's also like, it, I don't know. It, it, it kind of like puts, I don't, it, it's not insensitive. It's just like, it's that, specific situation and Mm -hmm. it's not it's not showing any like of the atrocities committed in those camps um Mm -hmm. the way that they show the mushroom cloud and all that anyway i just it was kind of a glaring thing that i figured we would yeah well because so we finally 
we finally get an a gay character and it's a gay black man so what's the very first thing we're gonna do with him uh we're gonna imply that he created the atomic bomb yeah and set it off in hiroshima yep pretty crazy that's what we're gonna do with that that seems that seems like a good idea i just i understand that his his power is literally to invent weapons i get that and and part of me wonders if because it never really they never said that he it did in fact create the bomb Mm -hmm. but i wonder if if what they're getting at is that if he hadn't created any sort of like if he hadn't helped humans with any sort of technology would have would it have ever gotten to that point and I mean, clearly, like we can say, yes, it would have because, to to our knowledge, no superhero has come in and, and helped create any sort of weapon. But I don't know. There was I that was just I felt like that was unnecessary. The, and, and I think that I think that's a great point. And I think it kind of speaks to this larger problem that the movie has, where I think that the organization of the timelines, I. I honestly think that if they had done just they started from the beginning, from the time they got to Earth and kind of jumped in kind of not montage, but like jump from like two different civilizations mm-hmm. and kind of set it up like here are all the problems yeah. they could have patiently like developed these characters from the beginning instead of jumping back and forth. I think that probably would have been a better like plotting mm-hmm. device. And then you eventually get to Kit Harrington and Gemma Chan and like after they've disbanded mm-hmm. um, you know a thousand years later what have you but mm-hmm. it's in the it's kind of lost on the audience that you have to think back and remember oh Fastos like created a steam a steam powered uh, engine that could have helped agriculture and industry mm-hmm. for positive in like ancient Mesopotamia so like yeah theoretically civilization could have advanced way quicker and ajax like no, no no that's too advanced for them but like also they're killing each other that's fine like i don't care um they right. don't really demonstrate the like ajax hypocrisy and at points i was really frustrated with sama hayek's performance and i the more i've thought about the more i have come to the conclusion that's not really her fault i think it just the this the structured Mm-hmm. does a disservice to her as a character yeah yeah well because it once you figure out like what the purpose of what the actual purpose of the eternals being there is and it's to make sure that humans or, or the population of whatever planet they're on grows to the point that it, there's enough energy to create a new celestial and you find out Ajax has known that this whole time. Um, and then you see that that interaction between her and Acarius where she's like, but, you know, the snap and talks about all that. And it's like, okay, but you were cool up, up, you were cool with it up until about five years ago. It exactly my thought. And also it's coming in six days and you're trying to stop it now. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was like, that no, no, that's stupid. <laughs> it yeah. No, I, I didn't love that part. I think that 
Salma, Hay- Salma Hayek did she, she acted fine I don't think her acting was bad I think sure. the, I think you're you're spot on with like she was done a disservice with the way that it was cut and edited and I don't want to say the writing was bad I just it wasn't great for her character I don't think I think I do. I do think that the writing was pretty spotty um, in many areas, especially in the the first time that Icarus and Cersei speak to each other. She says, "Beautiful, isn't it?" Talking about Earth, and Icarus goes, "I'm Icarus." <laughs> I hated that. That made, that did make me mad. I was like, "That's oh my word!" I was like, "Seriously, like you hired Chloe Zhao, Oscar winner." Uh, and and it should be noted this is the biggest movie she's ever worked on. But I was like, she's just that's that's what you that's what that's how this movie opens. Like yeah, the first character dialogue. I don't. I was just oh my gosh. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't love that. I I remember thinking seriously. Yep. I don't know. Anyway, but you know if. I were to have a conversation conversation for the first time with Gemma Chan, I'd probably say something stupid like that too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so and so. Funny. I'm Icarus. I I was watching the movie and three quarters of the way through it, I le- I I just this light bulb went off in my head and I was like, Gemma Chan looks like someone I know. Like, and I was like, who is it? And I realized it was my boss at my previous job. Oh, and really? I was like. Oh my gosh! Like, and I leaned over to Jess, and I was like, "Gemma Chan looks like so and so," and she was like, "Oh my gosh, she does!" And um, so that was it. But it's it's funny because anyway, anyway, yeah. Um, I thought I thought Gemma Chan did did pretty good. Um, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I wanted to make a note that the Ringer in their podcast, um, on the Big Picture reported that Clojao was really insistent on her cut of the movie and it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like this is her cut which makes sense because I went back and watched the first trailer mm-hmm. and when Cersei says to Icarus beautiful isn't it when they first arrive on earth they're on the earth's surface not in outer space looking at the oh. earth itself um, which leads me to believe that and then there's also a couple other th- scenes in that trailer that were not in the movie. One is when Sprite is singing karaoke and it looks like Icarus and Karoon and maybe and someone else in the background. I can't, you can't really tell who it is because it's blurred out, mm-hmm. but she's singing karaoke on Kingo's plane. And then there's mm-hmm. one other scene where there are these green, like huge um, curtains in mm-hmm. one of the ancient civilizations that, um, that Thena cuts. And it just, it seemed like there was just some, there was a different feel going mm-hmm. on in that trailer than what we got in this movie. So what you're saying is we need to start a petition on Twitter to release the Zhao cut. Yes. That's what we need. I I, I mean, honestly, why wouldn't you want to release the, the Zhao cut? It honestly could be a huge um, moneymaker for Disney. Like, yeah. like they, they could monitor, like, they're such they're such a machine that mm-hmm. they could monetize the outrage that they spark in their fans by absolutely like, release the Zhao cut, release the right cut or whatever. So, yeah, 
I would uh the right cut. The right cut of Ant-Man would be Can amazing. you imagine? Oh, man. I I would pay to I would pay to see the right cut and the Zhao cut. Like yep. easily. No questions asked. Yep. There there's there's some things you can you can see fingerprints of like what this movie would mm-hmm. look like. Um I wanted to share with you um kind of what we're talking about. David Ehrlich, a um a film critic who writes for IndieWire, mm-hmm. wrote on this movie. He describes it as uh he says by making such an adventurous movie about how crisis breeds creativity, Marvel effectively il- illustrates why even the most independent-minded filmmakers are powerless to evolve an apex predator franchise that doesn't have any Darwinian impetus to adapt, which is a great, which is a great kind of like that summarizes this movie. Mm -hmm. There are images of things that are really interesting. And then there's like, this is just a Marvel movie. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it is just a Marvel movie. And, and, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I would I would probably watch I would watch it again. Um yeah. but I don't know if if you felt this way, but I've I have felt this way with just any Marvel content we've gotten this year. Just thinking the whole time, okay, how does this impact the greater storyline? and what comes next like i'm always thinking about what comes next and i can't it feels like it's hard for me maybe that's just my own anxiety just manifesting in this as well (laughs) yeah um but it it feels like it's really hard for me to to just sit and enjoy the the movie or the show i'm always thinking okay but what does this mean for the next thing Mm -hmm. how does this impact like in my and and maybe maybe it's because i I feel like there hasn't been a clear like set up time like set up timeline for this new phase like phase four. So like I don't know when any of these things happen or how like they they coexist together. Yep. Whereas with phase one through th- phases one through three, you know I know that this happened before this happened. This thing happened before that thing. Sure. Right. So so I feel like with phase four, I don't know what the timeline is. But I'm always just thinking, okay, how does this impact everything else? Yep. Which is exhausting. It is exhausting. And I think that I think that's a great opportunity to pause and talk about where we're going from here. Because mm-hmm. Eternals, I I was walking and I'll go back to expect my expectations personally real quick, and then we'll kind of return to like larger implications for the cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. I expected this to be a miss. And personally, and like, I think I'm sure many people feel like this is a miss. Um, but for me, I feel like this was a swing and a hit, not, mm-hmm. not completely successful by any means, but I wasn't a home run, but maybe a, a, a single or a double, you know, it was a single, I would say it was a single yeah. actually that we should like make that our rating system. That's <laughs> can we do that? Yeah, That's great. Okay, it. cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Would you say this is a single as well? Yeah. I think yeah. it had the potential to, to at least be a double. Yes, but I agree. I totally agree. I th- I think that I think the you know the the outfielder got it into second before before it could be a, a double. Brilliant. 
I'm going to let you handle all the baseball uh, terminology. Great. I, I don't know that much about, I mean, I know enough about baseball that I could follow along, yep. but um, <laughs> so anyway, Love it. thank you. The, I'm glad we did that. Yes, that was good. But uh, you know, this, this was an important movie because with Loki, with WandaVision, everything is going to be cosmic. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be co- either, well, the cosmic has been introduced and also multiple timelines have been introduced. So mm-hmm. at this point I am, I'm like kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm watching these things looking for, for clues and Easter eggs and that kind of thing. But I'm also just like along for the ride because nothing really is linear anymore. Um, we don't yeah. know, we don't know. Um, like, like for example, the, the Morbius trailer that played before this movie, yeah that movie looks terrible we're gonna go see it we're gonna cover it (laughs) because that's what we do right it's been documented that in that in that trailer you have toby Maguire's spider-man um in in a wall art in new york city uh, on a wall in the background Mm -hmm. and then you have um felicity jones black cat and Paul Giamatti's Rhino described on a corner of the Daily Bugle in one shot. And then you have Michael Keaton's Vulture in a scene, which means that all three of those Spider-Man universes are included in that trailer. So we don't know how Disney's going to play with Sony. We don't, we don't know what's happening moving forward. Um, and that's you- kind of fun. That's kind of fine, but it's it's also like okay where where are we going from here have you seen venom 2 yet no did you i did okay okay the end credit scene oh yes yeah please cra- please do you describe, know what happens please describe it for for our viewers okay so so Listeners. the end credit scene of venom let there be carnage it's it's tom hardy and venom hanging out on a beach because Venom really wants to go to a beach. And it it looks like this like white like wave kind of just cra- like not even like a like a like a wave from the ocean, but just this like force comes through. And it almost looks like um something from like Loki or WandaVision, truthfully. Sure. Like like that's what I thought of whenever I saw it. And he Tom Hardy like comes like wakes up in he's still like on a beach resort thing and he's like in he ends up being in someone someone else's room but before he realizes there's another person in there he sees the tv and it's tom holland's spider-man and it's saying like peter parker is spider-man and all this stuff and venom is like i i know that guy but he he doesn't know like how he knows him and so it it ties in Venom with with Tom Holland's Spider with Marvel's the MCU Spider-Man even though thus far Venom has not been mentioned or even hinted at the only time we've seen Venom in a Spider-Man a live action Spider-Man movie is Spider-Man 3 with Tobey Maguire. Yep. So so I think that what Sony is trying to do, because Sony still owns, technically owns the rights to Spider-Man and all of his characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a Craven the Hunter movie coming. 
Yeah. The Morbius so, movie coming. It looks like they're setting up the Sinister Six. Yes. Yeah. Which is what they they wanted to do. I I remember hearing rumors about the Sinister Six. Year like we were in like at least in college. I want to say maybe like our freshman or sophomore year of college. I believe they were trying to do it with Garfield's Spider-Man. Yeah. At the end of Amazing Spider-Man Two, you see um, Oscorp has the technology for I think of most of those. There's like a vulture because I, yeah. I I rewatched it recently. I should say rewatched it. I watched it for the first time. Excuse me, recently, and uh, sorry, a little flimmy. Uh, I apologize. Um, and there was Rhino, which we saw, but there was also like Vulture, uh, mm-hmm. Doc Ock. They had like the the tentacles or whatever, and so yeah, it seems like they were absolutely setting up the Sinister Six, and yep. we're trying to do that with Garfield's, but that's when that was also around the time that they were Marvel was like, Hey, we, we would like Spider-Man please. Yep. And, and we'll, we'll pay, pay you like whatever money. Buku's uh, amount of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. And then moving forward. So Sony's going to be building their own universe and they will let Tom Holland, Spider-Man and probably Venom and the, some of those other characters, whichever ones Disney wants to use, they will let them appear in MCU movies through some kind of, agreement with mm-hmm. like you said buku's of money um promised and involved in the contracts that they write but overall um let's 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 talk about like where we go from here and then we'll kind of circle back to like some other stuff in eternals we have plenty of time but let's talk about stingers because if my feeling like thinking about if if Mar- if spider-man didn't show up in the MCU moving forward, I feel fine about that prospect after seeing the two stingers at the end of this movie. So the the first one is Druig, Thena, and Makari. Mm-hmm. They're going to look for other celestials in the ship across the universe, and they can't find any, and they realize it's because Asherim has probably gone and captured them because mm-hmm. Cersei learned the truth about Asherim destroying different worlds. And we get two new characters and one of them is Harry Styles who is playing Thanos' brother. <laughs> and I was like, what? Did we haven't talked about the, like there had, they've been rumoring that for a, a few weeks now, at least. Ha- okay. I mean, like I, I found out about it and I was just, I did know about it before I went into the movie. Yeah. But it was still like, he walked out and Harry Styles just has this David. I, I always compare him to David Bowie. Like yeah. he just kind of has this, that presence. Yeah. Um, He might even be a better, better actor than David Bowie was. And I was just like, this guy's cool. This guy, like, where's this guy been? Like, I let's, let's make a movie with him in it. Let's do oh, it. Yeah. I don't care. Like, let's go. Yeah, no, I was excited. It was really funny because they were like, who are you? And I go, he's Harry Styles. Yeah. Because that's all I could see. Um, And I didn't mean to say it as loud as I did, but there were a few people who weren't in my group that laughed at me whenever I said, like, laughed at my joke. Um, You know, I mean, it wasn't, it was less of a joke and more of a fact, but. You're Harry Styles. You're Harry Styles. Um, I was not expecting him to show up at 
this in credit scene. Yep. Like I, I was expecting him to show up. I don't know. Doctor Strange, maybe. At the oh earliest. yeah, sure. Because because it was so, like we I just felt like we just found out about him being cast, and so I was like, this is crazy that he's in it this soon i was actually expecting will poulter to show up oh sure which would have made more sense in a lot of ways yeah so yeah i mean i'm excited because he's he's playing eros thanos's brother right and so he's he's super charismatic and i i don't even listen to harry styles but i would love to go see him perform in concert like i just think it would be super fun yeah i i haven't seen dunkert but he's gonna be in the new the upcoming olivia wilde movie with florence Pugh mm-hmm. called kill your darlings and or is I'm, it don't worry darling don't worry darling that's yeah. what it is kill your Dar- darlings is that thing. that's a diff- i think that's a movie with uh um, it is a movie it's a movie with freaking um daniel radcliffe and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Dane DeHaan. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, mean, I just want to make and sure I'm getting they that. play like authors, I think, or poets or something. Yes, anyway, that, yeah, that's don't it. worry, darling. Uh, I don't even really know what that's about, but I'm very excited about it because I I love all three of those people. Yep. So. Yeah, and then, and then I was go gonna ahead. say the little troll that Pip the troll that shows up with. Harry yep. Styles is voiced by Patton Oswalt, who is just genuinely a funny dude. And, yep. and he's been in the MCU years. before, and obviously right. they wanted to bring him back for for something new. I thought they was funny when they were arguing. I feel like they mm-hmm. have really good chemistry. Yeah. And I, I was afraid that Eros was going to have this similar moodiness to Thanos. And mm-hmm. it's very clear he's like, he's upbeat, he's positive, he's like kind of got a little swagger and he does yeah. the same weight of the world that that Thanos does on his shoulders which was much appreciated because levity will be pretty important to this series moving forward because it's not mm-hmm. going to make any sense it's like going to go in all these crazy directions so like just mm-hmm. hire great actors and have fun with it you know yeah and i mean i don't trust i don't trust this character yet there's sure. no reason for me to trust him but regardless it's going to be fun watching watching this character develop so yep. it'll be good so, i'm excited eros anyway. has a similar orb that um ajak has allowing her to communicate with asherim and then eventually after ajak is killed passes to cersei mm-hmm. um so eros has that has one of those orbs and he said what what does he say at the end it's like let's go uh, he I think they set out basically to either go kill Ashram or yeah. or release the Celestials or something like that. He's it's he was it was basically setting up some sort of team up between him yeah. and the. Oh, Eternals. he makes it. He makes a pass at um, or not a pass, but he compliments Thena. Yeah, he's like and that would be you, hilarious to see some kind of romance between say, them. Yeah, I I want it. Yeah, let's give do us it. give the people what they want. Exactly. Uh, second so. second teaser. Mm-hmm. which is the one that got me the most excited because I figured I men- it would, as I mentioned in our October movie news roundup, the character of the black Knight is one of my most anticipated for this series because a it's Kit Harrington. He's a great right. medieval person wielding a sword. Um, and I figured wouldn't be in this movie, but we did get to see 
the cursed ebony blade mm-hmm. um and you get this sense that it's going to have very very large implications for the cinematic universe and this blade makes the user evil which mm-hmm. would be really interesting because kit harrington is a really good kind of like moral person in every role he almost every role he's yeah had. well like, and yeah. and it seems like his character thus far while he didn't get a whole lot of screen time he like you know whenever cersei is telling dane all this stuff he's like why didn't you guys help with you know all these different events that have happened these horrific events that have happened in history yep like what what were what were you guys doing why where were you and so it seems like he's got some sense of like morality and and wanting to do good by others like he he was willing to try to stay and fight the deviant that shows up at first and which was funny to me because i'm like dude what bro what are you gonna do yep what are you gonna do but but he was willing to to fight and i i admire that even if it was maybe dumb but makes sense that he would as a character would be attractive to cersei who is Mm -hmm. who sees the best in humanity for sure for sure you get to see kit harrington or or dane um fearfully you know hyping himself up to open this box that has the ebony uh blade in it and then he's about to pick it up and it's there's some kind of like evil substance on the blade that's radiating Mm -hmm. toward his fingertips and you hear a voice off the screen the Can you voice hear of the bo- dog barking. Uh, yeah. Okay, sorry. Is your, is your neighbor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. So sorry, everyone. Anyway, yeah, you hear the voice off the off screen. You don't see anyone, but you hear the voice. And who's the voice, Isaac? It's Mahershala Ali. It's Blade. <sighs> it's Blade. Would you like to see Blade team up with the Black Knight? Do you think that Kit Harrington and Mahershala Ali would be good together on screen? I feel like it could work. And I, I hadn't like, thought about it until last night. I would have never been like, you know who should team up in a movie together? Those two. Yeah. But they're both such good actors sure. that I think that they could do it. And clearly that's that's what Marvel is pushing. Yep. So okay, also whenever he was like getting really close to touching the blade and you could see whatever it was on there, it reminded me of like a symbiote of some oh, sort of yeah. like venom. Like yeah. I was like, oh, is this gonna be like a venom type thing? It uh, really I feel like there might be some kind of relation to it. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised. But yeah, so so we know that Mahershal Ali is playing Blade. That was announced a while ago. Yep. Uh, probably at the 2019 Comic Con. I think so. Um I don't know if you know this story. It is rumored that after Mahershala Ali won his Oscar for Green Book, mm-hmm. he set up a meeting with Feige, walked into his office, sat down, and all he said was Blade. And, and Kevin Feige was like, let's do it. That is something only Mahershala Ali boss could, move. could do. Yeah, boss move. He... He's incredible. So I have you ever seen the Blade movies? I saw the first one and I love it. Okay. Um, I haven't seen them. Yep. The second, the third one has Ryan Reynolds in it. The second one is apparently the best, but our friend Will Jenkins told me 
couple of weeks ago that he doesn't like the second one. Oh, so really? I was like, I was like, oh, interesting. But the first one, so, uh, like, if anyone can kind of do something similar, uh, to, as, um, what? Sorry, what was the first? Wesley Snipes. Um, yeah, Wesley Snipes is just really fun to watch in that movie. He's mm-hmm. having so much fun. The opening scene where he kills all those vampires, he he's like grinning. He like flashes this really like sinister but like fun grin as he like throws this boomerang blade that slits a bunch of vampires throats it's like it's so silly and fun um so if we if we get something like that some kind of like pg-13 vampire hunter sort make of it r make it r i want it to be r yeah yeah because blade be the the original blade is rated r isn't it yes yep. yeah i want it to be rated r so so Blade says, are you sure you want to do that, Mr. Whitman? And then Dane looks over and then it cuts. <clears throat> it cuts. So that's where we are. That's where we're going. Yeah. Also, did you catch that that I think it was Sprite was talking to Athena to Athena uh whenever she had the sword in in, in the ship when they were in the Doma and she goes, is that the ebony blade or the ebony sword? And she goes, no, it's a sort of Excalibur. Did you catch that? Yes, which I thought okay. was pretty cool. I just yeah. like, I like swords. I think swords have, have been lacking in this universe and we need some more yeah. swords in it. So yeah, I agree. No, because it's all been lasers. Yep. Or lots shields. Of, lots of lasers. And then lot in this movie, lots of finger guns. And also the finger guns. so many laser eyes. <laughs> what what were your what was your yeah like what are your thoughts on the laser eyes um i i I jokingly i wanted to like include in my letterboxd review this this movie uh realistically depicts like i could punch this person or i could just blast the shit out of them with my laser eyes like over overuse like like button mashing basically like yeah like because he just that's all icarus does really he just kind of like um blasts all these deviants with his laser eyes that's like yeah oh my god like but dude and then i think it's like in the second quarter of this movie maybe where there's a lot of laser eyes and finger cuts and i was like this is so silly (laughs) yeah it yeah because especially when they did any of the like flashback scenes there was a lot it felt like um so anyway yeah lots of laser eyes it felt like i did i do like that uh fasto's son was like oh you're superman and he's like i don't wear a cape um, yes, I don't wear a cape. So I like I like that little subtle nod. Not they so subtle. Also, nod. it's kind of ballsy that they they make a reference to Superman and Batman because Don Lee Gilgamesh mm-hmm. he mentioned something like Batman, like I'm not a butler or something like I'm not a butler. Oh, like Alfred. Alfred. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. says, "What are you, his Alfred?" Oh yeah, yeah. To Karun. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's yeah, yeah, what yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, and there was Star Wars references. They didn't like yep. necessarily directly reference Star Wars, but whenever they're at Fasto's house, uh, his son, his room is kind of decorated with Star Wars stuff, and Icarus has holding up a 
a Star Wars coloring book to yep. look natural, like he wasn't just spying on his son or him yep. and his son. Yep. So what are uh, Olivia? We kind of took a big detour, jumped to the end, and mm-hmm. we don't or we there there are a lot of other things with the turtles we could discuss, but let's circle back to some just other thoughts you had about their performances, characters, specific scenes that really grabbed you. Um, what what are some of your final thoughts on the movie in the last 10, 10 or so minutes we have? I really liked Angelina Jolie's performance. Okay. I, I like what they did with her character. Uh, I realized that people may have thought, well, she just needed to get over it, but I, I felt like that was a really, the, the, whenever they were talking about the weight of the memories she has mm-hmm. and what they call it, the something weary, the uh, mind weary or something like mind that. weary yeah it's, it's I, so kind of past like a throwaway line almost i was kind of like wait what is it called yeah yeah they didn't really go into details about it other than just the the weight of the memories and i think that like that made them seem more human and relatable that like sure. they could they could be brought down by the way to all those emotions and, and the memories so I, I really liked that aspect and something I really appreciated because it it was scary to see how she reacted to to it and was willing like not willing but like was unaware of how she was impacting the rest of them and something that I, I also appreciated was how Gilgamesh was willing to to help her and take care of her and and be there for her like that i don't know. i was thinking about that of course from a, a psychological standpoint of like that that could be interpreted as like ptsd anxiety depression any sort of 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 diagnosis or, or experience that someone could have and her trying to to deal with that and manage those those things and and when they go and meet you know Thena and Gilgamesh in Australia uh when they're trying to get the band back together and you see her just kind of sitting there on the ground and she's she's like like furiously coloring and, and it doesn't make sense what she's doing but Gilgamesh is like it you know it set her set her off she um he didn't say relapse i'm trying to think what he said it triggered her i think is what he yeah, said that's i think that's what he said and like that happens like that happens to people who experience you know these really not this specific traumatic thing because there's not deviants running around um but just i don't know i i felt like that was great how they talked about that how they went about it um I really liked how Gilgamesh was willing to to be there for her because he very well could have been like, ah, not my problem. Yep. Right. And so like I think that showed him being being there for her and being a good friend in in the midst of of that, which is what I mean, I think we all would want someone to do for us while we're in that that kind of place. So Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I really liked. Um, I was it? Like, can I ask you? Yeah. Was it strange that she, that Angelina Jolie was kind of? 
I don't want to say sideline because she she plays a you know a fairly important role, but you would I kept getting this nagging feeling that she should have been playing Salma Hayek's role. Did you did you feel that way? Like like she's such a presence on screen mm-hmm. and she relatively to compared to everyone else is such a minor character. Did that kind of strike you at all? I I truthfully, yeah, I mean, yes. I truthfully wasn't expecting, I, I wasn't expecting anyone to die, actually. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's Marvel, and, and typically no one dies, and if they do, they come back. And not to say that they, they there's not that possibility, but I wasn't expecting any of these characters to die. And so part of me wonders if one of the reasons, I, I think it would be easy to say, well, of course, Angelina Jolie should be the leader. It's it's Angelina Jolie, but also Selma Hayek is a fantastic actor, and I'm not. I don't think you're like discrediting her. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. but I think they purposefully wanted to have a non-male, non-white, absolutely actor in that leadership position. Sure. And and. Yeah, maybe they were trying to pander towards what, like, woke culture or whatever. Whatever. If that's the reason, then let that be the reason. Um, But it's, I mean, to me, as someone who has, you know, like, all the other leaders in the Marvel Universe have been men. So it's kind of, yeah, yeah, it's been white white guys. So it's cool to see a uh, non-white, non-dude step up me the leader i imagine they probably wanted it they they maybe had an idea that they were going to kill off ajak and wanted angelina jolie to be around a little bit longer sure which which would make sense yeah so and the, it's clear from the end of the at the end of the movie that thena is going to be a continue a, a yeah. continued presence like you were saying so yeah that's totally fair that was my only problem in terms of from a from a perspective of we want the leader to be like you like you said like yeah. not a, not a white person I, mm-hmm. in terms of representation this i feel like this movie was pretty natural in mm-hmm. the way it depicted fastos and his um in his husband's relationship and um and, and like basically every major um race is represented in some way in this movie which is like like kind of at the expense of the overall like coherence of the story i would mm-hmm. say but but I, it was still i love the bollywood sequence um yeah I that love, was cool i mean i it was just uh, overall it it didn't feel ham-fisted it didn't feel pandering um at yeah. all because it was someone like chloe Zhao at at the helm um, so yeah, right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, one of, <laughs> one of my friends was like, he, he hates superhero movies. He, he hates the fact that Hollywood keeps remaking movies. Like he, he was one of the people I went and saw, uh, the French dispatch with, and one of the trailers before that was West side story. And he was like, you know, there was a time cause he's older. He was like, there was a time where, Hollywood didn't make remakes and I'm like yeah I I know and he was just like he was just joking but um 
he sent me some he sent me some meme and he was talking about how the meme was basically getting at the fact that like people will say they hate capitalism but then they'll go and rush out and buy tickets to stuff like this if capitalism slaps on the sticker of whatever thing they care about so like black lives um diversity lgbt and so he he was like like what do you think about that in regards to this stuff and so we talked about that a little bit of like how yeah i mean yeah that's true that's exactly what these you know marvel and disney that's what all these people are doing i mean nike does it too just Mm -hmm. put a the rainbow flag on something despite the fact that they don't care about certain it doesn't yeah. seem like in, they care in july about <laughs> yeah yeah in july and then it's like all right after that who cares um so yeah i think that we could argue that they're definitely pandering towards those things just to say they did it um but why is that a bad thing yeah and i think it's all a matter of execution like yeah i read an article yeah. that the uh end game girl power scene yeah was edited to be less pandering and i was like less pandering than what we got like yeah <laughs> like- i mean it okay also in that scene in particular like obviously that's exactly what they were pandering towards i i know that and can acknowledge that it still was really cool to me sure sure so yeah no i i I think that this i'm not knocking women or no i know i'm knocking just knocking that scene a little bit so yeah which is fine like that scene like when that happened i was like okay uh one of my friends told me that she was at the movie theater she saw that with someone and with a group of people and one of the girls in that group like stood up and cheered and she was like chill out (laughs) and i'm just like i can't imagine I would be secondhand <laughs> embarrassed so bad. It was, but, it, yeah, it was the only, and obviously I'm, a, I'm a white male, like, or I'm, uh, in this case, I'm, I'm a man. Uh, that's the only, really differentiator. That was the only scene in that movie slash final fight scene where I was, it, that took me out of, yeah, the excitement, which the is movie. fair. So yeah, um, but yeah, no, I think like what you were saying, it goes back to execution because. They could have the whole scene between Fastos and his husband. It, they could have been like, but we're we're so proud to be gay and be yep. minorities and like all. It's like okay, yeah, sure. Like you don't have to make. Yeah, no, we we know what we're watching. We know right, yeah. like this kind of relationship, and they just yeah. acted it really well. And, yeah, and Fastos is kind of like a, a, a Brian. Love Brian Tyree Henry, great yeah. actor, kind of will be one of the great actors of our generation i feel like um yeah just sells it with such warmth and and kind of we invest in him because he's the only one who has a family who's like i'm i'm going to have a family i'm going to live like one of them Mm -hmm. um and whereas you know sprite can't because she looks young all the time that's kind of like the way she was engineered um so yeah what are, what about you? Any any what was your favorite performance or scene? Um, you know, we we talked about our love for Lauren Ridloff. Um one thing, and this wasn't her fault. So she was just reading books on the 
on the ship like yeah. for how long like did she eat i guess do they i did do they have to eat i guess they don't have to because their energy is constantly regenerated but you know we pulled up like everyone walks into the ship and um she's just reading through books and i was yeah, like wait you've quickly, been here the whole time like very quickly yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 no i had that same thought of like what what have you been doing this whole time yep yeah um i i saw some reactions that like the documentary that karoon was filming mm-hmm. um didn't work for some people uh, but i thought it was really funny uh, i thought it was like, funny his the way that uh kumal nanjiani plays that character he's like just with the little lisp is he he's really really funny in this movie and some people didn't like it but i'm a big big fan so yeah yeah no i excuse me i think he's really funny i think he's a good actor too i mean oh yeah for sure the big sick was really good and also it was very obviously near and dear to his heart since it was about basically about him and his wife uh so yeah i think he's he's a good actor anytime he shows up in something i'm like oh this is gonna be a funny scene yep so uh yeah no i think i i liked that i thought it was really funny i liked how uh karoon just always had a camera and every time they were like they, there was a new one they were like how many do you have yep yep he had like three or four cameras yeah. it was great and karoon's so. kind of like a a great character too um kind of an unexpected choice having the mm-hmm. valet be the one who's observing and we're kind of seeing Mm-hmm. processing the movie through his perspective in different scenes is really I thought was a good touch yeah they're so. they're at the end whenever Kingo leaves and Karun goes with them and he he stays behind and and talks to the rest of them and he's just like thank you and he like thanks them for all that, that they've done mm-hmm. it was really sweet because like you could see that he one really enjoyed the the fact that he got to meet all of them and two the, the like the weight of the world's gonna end or has the possibility of ending you know within the next day yep. and knowing all that they've done for humanity and their willingness to fight for humanity like you could tell that was very sincere and it was really sweet to me that he yep he he's kind that. of emotional yeah. yeah yeah um last thing i know that we're coming up on time last thing speak like just really quickly about how this movie i thought pretty pretty effectively addressed how a family views the world differently and i was really struck by this in terms of kingo deciding to leave because he was he was not he decided not to harm anyone he wasn't going to take sides he was like i I think icarus is right but i'm not going to fight Mm -hmm. like i'm leaving i'm just gonna go live the rest of my life in in peace or whatever and and then you know the icarus's fate flying into the sun obviously clear greek very mythological on the, yeah, on the nose very on the nose and he's probably not dead i think no, richard, Ma- richard no madden's way. a great actor a huge presence right now and mm-hmm. might play james bond who knows so i feel like they wanted to make that ambiguous so that he could potentially come back but like speak really briefly just i, I thought that this movie handled that in a really interesting manner and that it was timely to a lot of, you know, like there have been so many divisions uh, politically, Mm -hmm. like socially. Well, and, and also we're coming up on the holidays, which even, even if we weren't coming off the past, you know, two years that we've experienced that has led to a lot of division within families 
I, I think that going into the holiday season, it's always hard for people because there's all kinds of sort of family dynamics. And this, this is a good family example, like example of a family. Um, I don't know a whole lot about like family systems as far as like from a therapeutic standpoint, cause I don't really work with families very often, but you know, there are all these different roles that, that people play within their family. And I mean, Isaac, you come from a big family. So, so, you know, within kind of a remi- family, this kind of reminded me of my family. Yeah. Yeah. And so seeing how different people within a family unit play different roles, right? So, so you're going to have, especially in a bigger family, you're going to have, you know, those, those siblings who kind of pair up together, like, yep. like Gilgamesh and uh, Athena, like Druig and Makari, right? So you're going to see them be together and then you're going to see them not necessarily like romantically we're not getting like that freudian but you're going to see where you know so someone is is jealous of the relationship between you know two other people so like like sprite being jealous of cersei for her relationship with uh icarius and uh icarus i don't know why that was wrong why i pronounced (laughs) that wrong um and so you see that, you see that happening and you see, you know, someone steps up into like sort of the leadership position such as Ajax. And then once that, that position is threatened or is like that person's no longer in that position, you see kind of this fight for who's now, who's going to step up. And, you know, they, they all thought they, they all kind of questioned why it was Cersei, even though it, to me, it seemed very obvious why it was Cersei, even though, um, you know, Richard Madden's character makes it makes more sense. Like mm-hmm. he just seemed he he just has that that presence about him of being this this natural leader. And I think that, you know, you saw that in Game of Thrones, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so it like, of course, it makes sense that he would be the leader. Um, so, of course, that creates tension as well when things when it's someone else that that sh- they that everyone else is like no that's not right yeah yeah so yeah I, I think that that you're gonna have that druig reminded me of kind of like the the like emo teen yeah he's yeah. like he definitely gives barry keegan gives off no those one vibes. no one talk to me yep don't talk to me that's kind of how i like pictured him is like i'm gonna do my own thing no one understands me no one gets me even though it's not at all like what he said, it just kind of like reminded me of that. Uh, and he's he's so. an intimidating, like I cannot imagine acting opposite him. Like no. he's an intimate. He's very young. I think he's pretty close to our age. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's an intimidating presence. Like, and mm-hmm. and I hope that I hope that he takes a like central role in future stories because the the strength of this movie I feel like is are the philosophical discussions. And it made me have the thought that Marvel needs to just be okay with some of their movies being dramas. Mm-hmm. This would have been a better drama with like two fight scenes. It, yeah. it could have been so poignant. It could have been so interesting because when Crow, the main deviant, is talking to Thena in the cave at the end, mm-hmm. he says, we're both weapons created by a god. And that's true. Like that that's yeah. what that's the central underpinning of this story. Um and that that's kind of the my final thought on the movie. I love when these silly Marvel 
blockbusters take time to think about big ideas like this. Right. It's it's kind of like that scene between the two visions in WandaVision. Exactly. Right. Exactly. The ship of Theseus. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I think that Marvel should try to lean into that a little more often, especially I, I think because I, I I think that a lot of the, the upcoming Marvel movies are really gonna be big team ups essentially, like with Spider-Man. If they actually do the Spider-Verse like we everyone thinks they are, that's a big team-up movie. Uh, Doctor Strange is going to be a team-up movie for sure, right? So at least the next two are. Captain Marvel 2 will be as well. And so like lean into the the, the drama side of things. Let that... Uh, I, I feel like that'll play out better or would play out better with the Marvels as opposed to Spider-Man or Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. But... Yep. I think they should lean into that more often. Yep. So I think it's safe to say that both of us would recommend people see this movie. Um, yeah. This this movie's a drag in some in some spaces, and it feels like sometimes the momentum is slowed down for the sake of exposition. But overall, this was a enjoyable Marvel yeah. movie. Three out it, of five from both of us. Yeah. It was it was longer than necessary, which. I, I we talk about this all the time on here how we yep. how we think movies need to be shorter anyway but all in all I liked it I don't think it was as bad as everyone was making it sound on on social media like I I was really like this is gonna suck yep and it I don't know where I, like what I'd compare it to as far as other MCU movies are concerned but I do not think um I really think that I really think that a lot of the hate is coming from a lot of the social and diversity representation that Chloe Zhao and Kevin Feige and Disney really wanted to put in this movie. We get to see a gay couple mm-hmm. that raising a child. Um, we get to see every type of race, almost every type of race and ethnicity in this movie. And mm-hmm. um, just that sort of stuff I think is ga- gathering a lot of heat. So Yeah think we've hit a lot of a lot of the main notes do you have any final thoughts on eternals other than it being eternally long (laughs) nice (laughs) (laughs) or sorry no i meant to do the tiktok like "Eh, eh, eh, Uh, eh." have you seen those yeah those guys those stupid jokes and then they go yeah "Eh, eh, eh." anyway no i'm good I don't have cool. any final thoughts. Do you or any no. other final thoughts? I know you need to run. So yeah. let's let's wrap this up. Thank you. If you're still listening to this, thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and give us a review, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. That helps us a lot. Check out Flyover After Dark, where producer Walter and I offer commentary on various movies. We have Halloween and Absentia up right now. I believe Absentia is up right now. Um, that is Mike Flanagan's debut, Indie Horror, and we are releasing a schedule for upcoming After Dark specials on Instagram and Twitter very soon. So follow us on the socials and be ready for more exciting content. And we will see you guys very soon with Hawkeye. With Hawkeye. November 24th, baby. Olivia, thanks for chatting Eternals with me. I'll talk hey. to you later. It was good. I'll see you later. All right, cool. <laughs>